Welcome to Talking Business. In this series of podcasts, I hope to give you some ideas based on over 40 years working for various organizations in industry. In series one of Talking Business, we're going to look at your big project, avoiding the mistakes of others. This is the project that is going to change the face of your organization. Welcome to part 10, training. Do you remember episode one, the A to Z of your big project? Well, T is for training. Now we have some questions. Are you prepared to carry out the training that will be needed? The training in the new processes that you're implementing. The training in the new systems that support the processes that you're implementing. And the explanation of why it is to be done in the way that you have defined. We're not talking just keystroke training. We're talking about explaining the reasoning behind the policies on which the system was built. Now it's fair to ask the question, is your best practice program embedded in your organisation yet? If the answer is yes, then it is possible that some of the members of your team will understand some of the reasoning behind the system design. But not all members of your team will understand the reasoning. And different people may understand different parts of the reasoning. So you have to give them the full reasoning. If the answer is no, your training will need to start with the same assumptions as all the training I've ever been involved in. And that is that you can make the assumption that with a very few exceptions in your organisation, no one will have a clue as to why you're doing things this way. Do you think you can take shortcuts? Don't be stupid. You'll create a disaster. I've seen so many projects where a reasonably good project has been moved into disaster mode because of people not doing the training properly. The why, the what, the how. Three critical topics. You need to explain why the system is built the way it is and how it delivers the operating model. That's an explanation of best practice. In most organisations, best practice is normally only discussed at management level. This is where you're taking best practice and the system that supports best practice down to every single user within your organisation. You need to define as part of your training what is or has been built and also what isn't. You need to give instructions on how to use the system. Remember, If best practice has been properly implemented, people will be so happy to have the support delivered by the system and they will be willing to learn how to do things properly. As I said earlier, assume no knowledge. It's perfectly fair to say to everybody, I'm starting from an assumption that no one has any knowledge. And that diffuses the displeasure that some people might have had if they felt you were insulting their knowledge. Because starting in this way removes any preconceptions about the system. And you will find that those who have 
a little bit of knowledge won't have enough knowledge to join up all the dots and therefore may have misconceptions. It gives you a clean starting point to assume no knowledge and everybody has the same voyage of discovery. The why, the system that supports best practice. Where your system is going to cover complex areas, maybe in your pricing, maybe you rent assets to people, maybe you have complex chemical formulae in the products that you make. You need to ensure that people fully understand the concepts behind the system that has been built. You must assume that no other proper training has ever been given in these areas. Because whilst it may be given in one location, it is probably not generally given across your organisation. Your job is to ensure that people fully understand the why. And when you reach train the trainer, you need to get the trainers to explain the why to you so that you fully understand, that the trainers fully understand what is being delivered and why. We finally get to the what. The what is being delivered, the what is not being delivered. And you must ensure that everybody understands the scope that has been agreed. Everybody understands that this is it. This is what you're getting. There will be no argument. There will be no dissatisfaction. This is what was decided. You need to teach the how. How does a person log in? It may be that you're using completely new software. And in that case, you have to teach people about the software as well. You need to teach people about the menu options and where the menu options take you to. And the fact that the menu options are designed to take the person to where they need to get to with all the programs they need properly loaded. If the system allows you to put in shortcut keys and things like that, then you need to show people the shortcut keys for the required screens. You need to show people the one, the single, the only set of acceptable keystrokes to do the job. It is not for your staff to think up new ways of getting round the system. It is for your staff to use the system in the way that it was designed. If they don't use it in the way that it was designed, they will get to the wrong place and do the wrong things, and explain the why not for any other suggestions that they may have. Your training material has to have the theory, the why, the what, the how. It has to have the practical of the how, and ensure that people understand their role within the organisation, and why this is so important to the future of the total organisation. When developing your training material, Make it interesting. I have come across so many examples of people who have generated material that is deadly boring and turns people off by the third slide. Make it comprehensive. Tell the full story. Make it as a document that the person can refer to when they're back on their job. Make it testing. So make people have to think about how to do the job properly. Make it relevant. 
So much training material has examples that are completely irrelevant to the business that the person is in. If the examples are not relevant to their business, people lose interest. And test, 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 test. And don't be afraid of failing people. Training material. The theory part. Explain the best practice thinking behind the best practice rules. This has to be explained in words that everybody can understand. No management speak. Proper, simple language. Explain the best practice thinking behind the best practice rules. This has to be done in simple language. Language that anyone will understand. Language that a person who joined your organisation this morning would understand. Language that somebody whose primary language isn't the one in which the training is being given will understand without question. No management speak, no buzzwords, no words or expressions that make you feel superior. Explain how to use best practice to achieve the organisation's future needs. Explain what best practice is. Test people's understanding of best practice. You will hear me use the word test time and time again. Because the only way that you can make sure that people understand what you're telling them that people are able to do the job that you expect of them is for you to test them and make sure that they can do it. Explain how best practice makes us all more secure. Because if your organisation operates to best practice principles, your business is far more secure than one that doesn't. Explain also what happens if people don't follow best practice. In the practical part, demonstrate how the system is to be used. Emphasise that there is one way to use the system. There is only one way to use the system. Explain to people that they really shouldn't waste time and effort in trying to buck the system. Because if they do, they will be wasting valuable resources and there will be penalties. You need exercises that teach the attendees how to use the system. You need further exercises that test the attendees' knowledge of the system. And as I said earlier, you need a willingness to fail any who don't show the required level of expertise. And those that don't show the required level of expertise cannot do their job with the new system until they have demonstrated that they do have the required level of expertise. You need to try out your training. You need to try it out many times on different groups of people. So try it out on the global team, because they've got to believe in it. They're the ones who've got to sell it. They've got to implement it time after time after time. Try it out on your local team. They've got to sell it locally and make it work on a day-to-day -day basis. They have to be real experts. They have to be true expert users. Try it out on your sponsors, senior management, even the Juftis and anyone else you can find. Because if they can do it, 
anyone can. Try it out on yourself because you'll have no street cred if you can't use the system that you are promoting and implementing. Translations. Translations are a critical area. In an organisation with technical language, there can be many misunderstandings during translation because most of the people who are able to translate well won't be working for your organisation and won't fully understand the technical language. It is essential that you minimise any translation misunderstandings because misunderstandings are fatal. Ideally, you should get one organisation to translate the material from the original and then get a completely unrelated translation organisation to translate it back to the original language. And then you compare the original with the translation of the translation. You can then find out where the errors are. You can correct where required and learn lessons about writing your training material in a better way for translation. Operate an environment of no excuses. When you run a training course, nominated attendees will attend. One of the worst implementations that I was involved in was where people were given the option whether they should attend or not. Was where the person who was managing the customer service organisation didn't see that it was important that people should attend. They believed that people could learn on the job. This is usually fatal. So nominated attendees will attend and anyone who is not certified as passing the training is not to be permitted to use the system. There will be no informal training of non-attendees. All training will be done at designated training courses. And post-go-live, when you get new staff, the same rigorous training must take place before your new staff can work on the system. Sadly, it often goes wrong because people take shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. When you are dealing with training, you cannot afford shortcuts. People say it's too much effort. It will be too much effort for your organisation if they don't do the training properly. People don't believe it's important. That is for you to stress throughout your organisation. To put in a process that people realise that there is no option. People don't like hard work. I fully appreciate that undergoing the training that you need to undergo to implement a major system for your organisation means hard work. But it's nothing like the hard work that you need to expend to get yourself out of the mess if you aren't properly trained. People find reasons for avoiding training. If they find a reason for avoiding training, they go on the next training course. If they find a further reason for avoiding training, they go on the next training course. There is to be no avoidance of training. The people who try to get out of training, the people who don't believe in the need for proper training, are people who are not committed 
to the needs of your business. Think about that next time you're filling vacancies or next time you're having to streamline your organisation. Now, I'd like to take an example of the implementation of a global SAP template in country B in 2012. This was for a large industrial supply company. They were implementing a SAP global template to replace an old local system. The good. It exposed many of the issues in the business that had been hidden by the legacy system. Unfortunately, the country had complex tax requirements. The business failed to capitalise on the functionality brought by the new system. There was a lack of appreciation of the changes required to the existing processes, training and the local IT team ignored global instructions. Training. This was a particular nightmare. They went live in November. Three months before they went live, there was no training material. I will repeat that. Three months before go live, they hadn't put together any training material. Now, this was partly a global fault because there should have been global training material right up front of their project and it should have been translated into their language. There should have then been add-on training material developed as the project progressed for the things that were specific to that country, such as their tax requirement. But in reality, what happened was, three months before go-live, they started to develop training material. I'd like to look now at Global SAP Template Implementation in Country D 2015, again a large industrial supply company, implementing an SAP Global Template to replace a local system. Again, this country failed to capitalise on the functionality brought by the new system. They spent the whole project trying to persuade us to change it back to operating in the way that they operated prior to the system. They took no action to start implementing the best practice principles that the system was delivering up front of their actual system implementation. There was a lack of appreciation of the changes required to existing processes. And I got the classic comment that no one told us that SAP is complex. Training was seen as optional. I attended some training courses and maybe half or a third of the people who were due to go on the training course actually attended. And the reason given was either, well, they felt they had other more important things to do or their manager felt they had more important things to do. There was also a very weak regional business team in the fact that the regional business team didn't understand the system and didn't have the commitment to make it work because they didn't believe in best practice and the whole project had a weak process. Those were two of the worst examples of training I've ever come across. In the second example, we had the benefit of external consultants helping us develop the training. The lead external consultants were completely hopeless. They were absolutely clueless and lamentably incompetent. 
they tried to dumb down all the training that was being delivered to make it simple to produce. There was no will to do it properly. So all they tried to produce was something that failed to properly address the needs of the system that was being put in and the people who were attending the training for the training they were to receive. Now, these consultants did employ a couple of external consultants to help them. These were extra hands that were there to help the main consulting company. And interestingly enough, here is an example of a consultant who was really brilliant. We had one who, though we asked for the person to be retained on the project many times, the main consultants refused to extend his contract. This consultant, a guy called Tom Tomati, was absolutely brilliant. The people he's working for were a waste of time and money. There's quite often a disbelief in the need to understand a complex system. And in these two cases, that disbelief was obvious. There was also a feeling that there was no need to attend training. The learn from Nelly principle. So you learn from the person who did attend the training. And because they don't get it 100% right, you only see their version of it. And then maybe you get not quite 100% of what they told you right. And it goes on until you have a catastrophe. And in both cases, those businesses nearly died. Talking Business is produced by the Mr T Podcast Studio in association with SFRD Services Limited. Thank you for listening. The next episode will be in two weeks' time.